seeing those words, you know, to make room for God to do what he's going to do and that it will cost you everything. And there really is a cost to giving God everything. It's going to cost you your pride. It's going to cost you control. It's going to cost you fear. It's going to cost you self-hatred. So if you're willing to give God room and say, God, come and do it here. We're singing that. Come and do it here. And it's going to cost you. You just need to know that. It's going to cost you. And right now, if you're willing to pay the price, to say, I'm willing to let go of regret. I'm willing to let go I'm willing to let go of I'm uh, hearing right now an, an inability to move forward from mourning. A deep, deep sorrow. I'm going to ask if you would, if that is you, I feel like right now, if you will just say, hey, I'm willing to let go of that and stick your hand up in the air. There's something that's going to break for you. And this isn't about shame. This isn't about embarrassment. If that is you, this deep sorrow, if you will stick your hand up right now, I feel there is going to be a break. So if that's you, stick your hand up. Stick it up high. And as you stick your hand up, what I want you to envision is reaching a hold of the healing that is flowing from the heavenly place. What I'm seeing is a beautiful oil that's actually filled with light. And I want you, if somebody is standing around you right now, take a look around. And if they have their hand stretched to the air, I want you to just reach your hand out toward them. Don't don't touch them yet. <laughs> We're just going to let heaven touch them right now, but we're going to put our faith in agreement with whatever it is that God is doing in their life right now. Um, as you have your hand stretched up, <clears throat> I want you to see this oil. And oil is a beautiful thing because oil coats and it goes into every crack, into every crevice, every broken place, every shattered place. And oil just seeps into all of it. So I want you to see that oil coming over the tips of your fingers and it has a beautiful warmth to it a comfort and as it's coming down over your fingers I want you to see it running down over your hand and it's coming down off of your arm and it's it's not just a little bit it's dripping off of you it's flowing and there is no end to this flow just so you know it's not going to run out it's not going to run short. There's more than enough. So this oil runs down over your arm, runs down over your shoulder, and it's just dripping to the ground now in a beautiful flow that actually you're standing in it. If you were to look at your feet, there's a pool beginning to form around your feet. And 
this oil is just running over you and now it's running over your shoulder and down across your chest and when it runs across your chest it actually has an upward flow as well that begins to flow up and over your head and over your mind over all of the thoughts that you've been carrying over all of the grief and as it's flowing over your head it's flowing into your heart and all of the shattered places all of the places that have felt like they'll never be put back together again it's a beautiful flow right now that that oil that light that gold beautiful oil is flowing into the cracks and the crevices of your heart and I want you to see that it's not being stitched together it's actually being mended and put back together better than it was before and I hear right now this is for someone that you being healed and you allowing this oil to flow through doesn't mean that you're leaving the one that you loved behind you're not dishonoring their memory um, you're actually filling the broken places with the beauty and the essence of who God made them to be <laughs> and you get to carry that with you There's a legacy that can be passed on when healing takes place. Kevin, I'm going to ask you just to set that down. Just put it down. <laughs> this right here, I'm going to ask you all just to get a hold. I'm going to ask people around you just to stretch hands out. I feel it really strong right here. Thank you, Father. Healing, healing, healing. And I hear the Lord saying that in the healing process, the legacy actually grows. That uh, this burden of a fear of moving forward, of being disrespectful, of being dishonoring, of how much space this person carried in your life, it's not what it is. That God says, let me fill that space. And as you allow him to fill it, there's actually an increase that will come. A beautiful increase. And I do see freedom for you. And it's not a freedom that is uh, leaving anything behind. But it's a freedom that carries you forward. And joy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are the healer. Not only are you the healer, but you're the restorer of the broken places. And God, we honor you because you're just so aware of our hearts. You know our hearts and you know the hurts and you know the places that need mended and the places that need restoration. And Father, we thank you that you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. If you would, turn and just look at someone and say, God is doing an amazing thing. God's doing an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. We're not going to put any limitation on it. And it's going to continue. 
So we're not cutting it off right here. We're going to continue in it. We're going to keep it flowing. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Isn't he fun? He's good and he's gentle and he's kind. Thank you, Kevin. I don't know if y'all are aware, but at some time, if you, I ordered this pulpit online and it's for real. What is that? Cast iron? I kind of thought that was just the way it looked. So when these guys are carrying this with one hand, it's an impressive thing. (laughs) I'm like, wow. (laughs) Oh, man. Good morning. It's already a good morning, isn't it? It is a good day. And um, I want to ask you to make a commitment with me this morning. Say, I'm committing... To stay connected. Now look at your neighbor and say, if you disconnect, I'm going to punch you in the arm. (laughs) I'm committing to stay connected, right? Okay. Well, we have been uh, in this series, Where Are My Davids? And it's all been based off of a scripture out of Acts 13.22. And this came from a word from our uh, prayer team. And they passed this on to Darren and I. And Darren had been sitting on this for some time, which, by the way, Darren is in California this morning. And I want to welcome our Kingdom Ranch family. If we can all let them know how much we love them. We love you guys. We're so thankful that we get to partner together and be family And uh, they would like to make a trip out here. And so one of these days we will get to meet face to face and you guys will get to see who it is that you pray for and hug them in person. So thank you for joining with us and to all of our online family. We're honored to have you as part of the family and thank you for being here with us this morning. So as I said, our series that we have been in is based out of a scripture in Acts chapter 13, and it's uh, talking about a man named David from the Old Testament that was a king. He was uh, one of, probably one of the most influential people that we read about in the Bible. There's a lot of people, but uh, David had a huge footprint. And this is what is said of David in Acts 13, 22, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. It says, after removing him, Saul, talking about the king that was king before David, God raised up David to be king. For God said of him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man who always pursues my heart and will accomplish all that I have destined him to do. So the heart of David is what we've been talking about. And as we've been going through this, Darren made a big point of saying that this is not a message talking about the heart of David. It's not something that just applies to men. It applies to all of the children of God. If you are a child of God, pursue the heart of David. And one of the things that he says here in him is that he is a man, he is a person that does all that he was destined to do. So part of the heart of David was to accomplish everything that God created him for and every purpose that God put him here on the earth for. How many of us would like to stand before God at the end of our life and God to look at us and say, you did absolutely everything that I put you there to do. 
That is what I desire. I don't want to come in not having things finished up. And I want to come in with everything completed that God has had for me to do. So one of the things that David did that we can see throughout his life that he did over and over again was that David was very, very good and skilled at shifting atmospheres. Not being a weatherman. I'm not talking about barometric pressure. And I'm not talking about the change in weather. What I'm talking about is the spiritual atmosphere. So as we're sitting here this morning, there is an entire realm of activity that's taking place around us. And some of you have seen it. It's invisible to the natural eye, but to the spiritual eye, many of you have seen that activity. And some of you have seen that since you were a little kid and you may or may not have known what it is. And I didn't plan to say this, but I want to say this to parents. If you have small children and they tell you that they are seeing different things, don't downplay that. And especially don't think they need to be put on medication. There's nothing wrong with them. They're actually far further in tune than we are. (laughs) So that is a beautiful thing. The Bible tells us that we are to have faith like a child and children actually see a lot of things that we become uh, immune to. So David was not uh, the first weatherman. David was very good at discerning and shifting atmospheres. So if I could just give you this example, if you're thinking, what the flip is she talking about? Look at your neighbor and say, what the heck is she talking about? This is what I'm talking about. We've all been to a movie, probably, or at least seen one. And if you've been sitting in a movie theater, you walked into the movie theater feeling one way, maybe you had stuff on your mind, but... Uh, Hollywood has created a multi-billion dollar industry based on changing atmospheres. And you can sit in a movie theater and go in the movie theater and feel, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling. And then while you are sitting in that movie theater, because of the sound that is created around you, that's why they have the huge speakers, And I think, I don't know, I think men must super be into this because my husband is always, we need bigger speakers. I don't know. So maybe men are really sensitive and into that. I don't know. So anyway, there's a big sound that is created and there are images that are projected on a screen and through those two things, through the sound and through the things that we see, we then feel and experience emotion because of the change that is experienced in the atmosphere. We can experience great joy. We can experience deep sorrow and empathy. We can experience intense anger. We can experience rage. We can experience injustice. We can experience sadness and sorrow, and we can experience love all through simply images that are projected onto a flat screen and sound that is created. Are you kind of catching what I'm, what I'm saying? You experienced that. You felt the emotion and experienced a change. Maybe you went into the movie theater feeling one way. How many, like I can think of movies like, okay, just somebody had mentioned this movie the other day, Forrest Gump. 
that is a roller coaster right there. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember at one point just feeling exhausted. We feel every emotion with Forrest and Jenny, do we not? It's, I mean, it's a, it's a masterful movie. And so this is Hollywood has found a niche of shifting atmospheres. But Hollywood did not create this. They just found a way to mimic it and package it and charge us money for it. (laughs) But see, David understood shifting atmospheres and creating environments. And so I want us to take a look at the way that David shifted atmospheres. So I'm going to start out in 1 Samuel. I'm going to base everything I'm going to say today out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is the chapter where David goes to the battlefield and confronts the giant Goliath. So where we're going to jump in is David is back taking care of the sheep initially. He's taking care of his dad's sheep. And what's happened is two armies, the Israelite army that is led by Saul, who is the current king, this army of Saul is mounted up and they're on one mountain. And over here on the other mountain is the Philistine army. And the Philistines are not God followers. They are people that are rebellious. They are terrible, awful. No, no, no. So (laughs) they're mounted up on another mountain on the other side of this valley. So the Israeli army, the Israelite army, and the Philistine army are mounted up on two different mountains. And there is a valley between the two of them. And this is what it says to us in 1 Samuel 17, 3. It says the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and the Israels and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's taller than me. So then he goes on in 1 Samuel 17 and he said in verse 10, he says this, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel. This is the giant speaking. And he's yelling across the valley and he's yelling to the armies of Saul. And this is what he says. He says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So the, the Bible goes on to tell us in verse 16 that Goliath did this every day for 40 days, morning and night. He would come out and he would taunt the army of Israel and he would yell across at them. And basically what he was saying is if you'll just send me one person out here, we're going to have a cage fight and we're going to have it out. And then whoever wins is going to be the winner of it all. They're going to take everything. So what was happening is Goliath would stand on his mountain and he would yell across the valley. And as he did that, he controlled the atmosphere. He was yelling and the Bible tells us in verse 11 that the Israel army heard him. Not only did they hear him, but in the Hebrew, what that actually says is that they submitted and they consented to what he was yelling. This giant is just talking loud enough so that they can hear it. But in his talking, the Israel army hears this 
and they submit to what's being yelled at them. Then it says that they were dismayed and afraid. That word dismayed in the Hebrew means to be shattered, to panic, and to have confusion. So every time Goliath would come out and yell at them, they were confused. And any bravery that they had mounted up in their heart from the last time that he had come out and yelled was shattered. It was destroyed. Then it says that they were afraid. That word afraid means to be intimidated. But actually, if you dig in deeper to it, it means to show reverence and give honor to. So the Israel army was listening to what Goliath was putting in the atmosphere. And as he was filling the atmosphere, filling this valley, their heart on the inside of them was shifted from any purpose and intent that they had gone there with. And now they were submitting themselves and listening to what the giant was saying. And they were giving authority to what he was saying and submitting to his threats. Goliath shifted the entire atmosphere. This is the tactic of the enemy. It's the same then, and it's the same now. The tactic of the enemy is to control the atmosphere by sending and communicating messages of confusion, intimidation, and deception. I want you to think back to the very first in the garden. What did the serpent come with? He came with deception. That's the tactic of the enemy. Why does the enemy do this? Because if the enemy knows that he can send confusion, deception to you, he can shift your thinking to fear. And once you step into fear, he has total control. Not only just of the atmosphere, he's looking to control the atmosphere because he's looking to get control of you. And if he can control the atmosphere, he can control you. And if he can control you, now he has a hold on the atmosphere. Because the enemy is just shouting. He's shouting to see if you will listen to it. He's shouting to see if from your position, if you will listen and consent to what he is saying. But see, David was an atmosphere changer. It's the difference in being a thermometer and a thermostat. David was a thermostat. A thermometer is in the environment and simply takes the temperature, simply gets a read on what's in the environment and simply tells you what the environment is. A thermometer has no power at all. But David was a thermostat because a thermostat reads the environment. A thermostat clicks on and changes the temperature in the room. We are not called to be thermometers. You are called to be a thermostat. You have been given the power to be a thermostat. Because 1 Samuel 17, 17, this is where the story begins to share with us that David has been sent there to the valley uh, where the armies were gathered up. He's been sent there by his father to carry bread and cheese. He was like the first Schwann's man, okay? So his dad sends him out with bread and cheese. And he says, take the bread and cheese to where your brothers are because David's older brothers were there. And so he says, I want you to deliver this 
because who doesn't love the Schwanz man, right? So he says, I want you to take this and I want you to take it to him and I want you to bring me back word of how your brothers are doing. So David goes to the battlefield, which actually is kind of a contradiction because there was no battle taking place in the physical. In the spiritual, there was a huge battle taking place. So he says, I want you to take this and I want you to bring word back to me how your brother's doing. So David carries the bread and the cheese to the battlefield. He gets there just in time to hear and to see Goliath come out and yell and threat again. So when Goliath comes out and threatens again, this is David's response. Let's see, where am I? Verse 26 says, then David spoke to the men who stood by him, the members of the army of Saul and said, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David didn't engage Goliath by yelling back at him. He didn't stand up and say, oh yeah? Well, my brother could be your brother up. You remember that on the playground? My dad could beat your dad up. David didn't do that. As a matter of fact, David didn't engage Goliath at all at that moment. What he was actually doing is he wanted to know why are y'all allowing this uncircumcised Philistine to stand and to taunt you every day? Now, what he was doing was he was declaring his covenant. He was speaking that out loud so that he heard it, so that the army of Israel heard it, and that God heard it. What he said is, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Meaning that that entire army of people were not in covenant with God. Because the circumcision was a sign of covenant at that time. And what that meant was that if this man was uncircumcised, he did not have a covenant with God. He was not in partnership with the authority of heaven. And the victory was already won because he was coming against the armies of God. He was declaring, we are already standing on the side of victory. Why are you allowing him to come out here and taunt you every day? How many of us, we can, we can sit here and we can think, oh my gosh, those men were so stupid. How many of us have a Goliath that taunts us every day? Goliath knew that he was uncircumcised. He knew he did not have a covenant with God. So what was he using? He was using the tactic of the enemy to bring confusion, intimidation, and deception. That's what the enemy does. See, after David asked this question, if you go on down into verses 45 through 50, you actually see where David defeated the giant and he didn't do it in some grand way. He simply did it because when he made that statement right there, he had already declared, we've already beat this giant. This giant is already defeated. The entire army is already defeated. All we have to do is walk into the victory that's already put out in front of us. And that's what David did. And then he ended up chopping his head off just to make a point. But see, David recognized and discerned. Say discernment. 
discernment is the gift that is given to us by the spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Discernment is what allows you and leads you into truth in any situation where if a giant is yelling at you, you can discern this is not the voice of God. This is the voice of the enemy trying to bring confusion to me, trying to intimidate me and trying to cause me to back down, trying to make me believe that I am the one that is in jeopardy of being defeated, all the while the enemy knowing he's already been defeated. This is the tactic of the enemy. We are destined and given authority to change atmospheres, not be in an atmosphere and change and blend in with it to our defeat. We are not to be in any atmosphere to be less. Any place that we go, any room that we enter into shifts because of our presence. If we know that we are atmosphere changers, that that is what we have been created and destined to do. See, Goliath represents the enemy in our life. He presents himself as being big, as being intimidating, and he comes to yell messages to us to see if we will take the bait. He comes to taunt and he comes like a roaring lion. This is what Goliath does, standing on the mountaintop, yelling. The enemy comes to intimidate you like a roaring lion, but he has no teeth. That's what we have to remember. See, we all have giants that are taunting us. So I want to ask, what is the Goliath in your life? I'm just going to read off a few. Because as I read these, I want you to recognize that this is things that are going on here. And sometimes if we don't realize this is stuff that's going on here, I'm not a terrible person. You will have thoughts sometimes and you think, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I just thought that. I don't even know if I'm saved. (laughs) Right? That's not the case. And when we begin to discern where these things, where these messages are coming from, it's huge freedom. So let me just read a few off to you. What about the giants of fear and stress and worry? What about the giants of anger and rage? The giant of restlessness? If you can't be still, we've put all kinds of labels on stuff today. And I'm not, I am not saying that this doesn't exist. It very much exists. But if you can't be somewhere and sit still and focus, that is not just something to be medicated. That is something to understand that that is taking place to battle against you. And you have freedom over that. The giants of jealousy, envy, and pride. The giants of accusation. Superiority and comparison. Woo. Does social media not feed into that? The giants of lust. The giants of sexual immorality. The giant of addiction and frustration. 
the giant of shame and guilt. Man, this is when that giant comes and you know where that giant yells from is from your past. Boy, but he likes to project his voice to make you think that that's your future. The giant of worthlessness, giant of self-hatred, and a giant of hopelessness. Any area of your life as a born-again child of God with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, any area of your life that you do not have hope for the future in is an area of your life that is being dominated by a giant. Anywhere. And it doesn't matter what the world says, what the doctor says, what the bank says, what the economy says, what the news says is possible or impossible because we are not rooted in that realm. We are rooted in another realm and in that realm, there's always hope. Are you staying connected with me? All things that can come at us from the environment of the giant around us. But these are things that are coming at us, not in us. And that's important to know the difference because if you don't know that these are things that are coming at you, you'll think that that's in you and you think, oh my gosh, I'm thinking terrible things. And it's not. It's coming at you. It's not in you because you are a new creation and you have been given the mind of Christ and it's connecting with that mind in the thought process of the mind of Christ. So anything that comes at you that is not the thoughts of God, you understand that is not mine. I'm not going to partner with that and I'm not going to agree with that. And I'm not going to pick up shame and guilt because that was being screamed at me from Goliath on the other side of the valley. Right? Look at your neighbor and ask him, do I need to punch you? Are you saying connected? And here's the thing is for a lot of us, those yells, those taunts have been coming at us our whole life. And we have a very difficult time knowing the difference. And even if you do know the difference, it's very difficult then to get rid of it because you have built a life around that. And you may not know who you are without that accusation. You may not know who you are without that. And if that is the case, we do have a ministry here led by Linda. Where is Linda? Linda, right here, led by Linda Schubert, and it's called Inner Healing. And this, what the army experienced, that it says that they were shattered. That is what the enemy comes to do, is to shatter your inward self so that you can't tell the difference between what God is saying and what you are carrying from your past. And if that is where you find yourself, Linda leads a beautiful ministry that takes you through a beautiful, simple, easy process to help you say, hey, I've been believing a lie my whole life, and this is actually what God says about me. And literally, you walk out of that feeling like you've lost 50 pounds. It's amazing. And it's that simple. So if you want to talk to Linda about that, will you raise your hand up one more time? Linda's right over here after service. If you want to talk to Linda about it, go and speak to her. The enemy wants to control the atmosphere so that he can control you. Why? Because you have been created and destined and put here to shift the atmosphere for the kingdom of heaven. Because our mandate is on earth as it is in heaven. How is that going to happen? But through you and me. As we are partnered with the heavenly realm to bring the truth of heaven into the earthly realm. 
That's what we're put here to do. So how do we shift the atmosphere? I am so glad you asked that question. Second Corinthians in chapter 10, starting in verse three says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's a mouthful. I know. Write it down and go back and meditate on that. So basically, we are here to shift atmospheres. And the first key in shifting the atmosphere is staying in your position. Say that out loud. I'll stay in my position. We do not get out of our position to go and fight a battle that's already been won. But that is the taunt of the enemy. Because the scripture says to us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, he says, He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we are ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. What does that mean? It means that when you say, Jesus, I give you my life and I want to follow you, I give you everything and you are born again, this scripture tells us that we are now co-seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, where are the heavenly places? The scripture talks in 2 Corinthians, Paul speaks and he says, I know a man who, whether in his body or out, went into the third heaven. What the heck is the third heaven? The third heaven is where the kingdom of God, the throne of God is established. So we're going to take a little, we're going to get a little picture here. The third heaven is where the kingdom of God exists. That is where he is seated on the throne. That is where Christ is seated at the right hand of the father. And that is where you and I are co-seated. If we are seated with Christ, where is our spiritual position? Right there in the third heaven. That is where we pray from. That is where we abide. That is where we live and move and have our being from is in this realm of authority. Now the second heaven That is where when one third of the angels were cast down, they were cast out of the third heaven into the second. If there's a third, there has to be a second, right? I'm not real good at math, but that's, you know. So the second heaven, that is where the angelic beings and the demonic beings do battle. That is not our place. That's not where we pray from. That's not where we abide, but that is where the enemy is broadcasting his messages from, trying to pull you from your place and your position in the third heaven and position of authority. So I want you to get this picture that you are seated above. The scripture tells us that the enemy has been made our footstool, correct? How does that happen? Except that you're above, right? So we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus above all powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness. Everything that enemy does is to get you out of that place. Everything, every taunt he sends, every message he sends, he's trying to get you to move from that place. You just say, no, 
Just say no. That is not where we pray from. That's not where we do battle. We stay seated in the lap of our father. Seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Our place is with him. That's where we pray from. And that's where we live from. The second heaven, the enemy taunts us to engage from there. That's not where we, it's kind of like he's there and he's, he's fishing. He's throwing the line out to see if he can get you to take the bait. That's what he's doing. Then there's the earthly realm. That's where we're walking right now. But everything that we do in the physical on the earthly realm is connected to our position in the spiritual realm in the third heaven. I know this is, this might be like brand new information and it might be kind of like, woo, but just get a picture of it in your mind. Okay. And allow yourself to see I'm here in the third heaven. The second realm is where all of the doo-doo is taking place. This down here is a result of whether I'm listening and in my position in the third or whether I'm getting involved in the doo-doo. Look at your neighbor, say no doo-doo. Okay. So that's where we're staying. So we stay in our position of authority. Our authority when we're positioned is our true identity. When David was going out to battle Goliath, Saul tried to get him to wear his armor. And David said, I can't do this. I can't wear your armor. That's because David knew in order to defeat the enemy, I have to be in my true identity. He's showing us to defeat the enemy. You have to stay seated in who God has called you to be, not try and be somebody else. And not try and engage in someone else's stuff. Anywhere that we are believing and agreeing with a lie about who we are, the enemy has gone fishing from that second realm and you've taken the bait. So today we're all going to pull the fish hook out of our mouth. So get ready. That's what's coming. So the number one way that we uh, shift the atmosphere is to stay in our position of authority. The second way that we shift the atmosphere is through worship. David was a phenomenal worshiper. He was known for being a worshiper. But here's the thing. When he was facing the giant, he didn't stop and say, all right, everybody, we need to, we need to get uh, CW and Mana to come up here and play the drums. Uh, I'm going to have to stop right here on the battlefield and I'm going to need a worship leader. I'm going to need Kirstie to come and I'm going to need her to come up here and sing. Uh, I'm going to need some guitar players. I'm going to need all of this. David didn't have to stop and do that. Why? Because David lived a lifestyle of worship. Worship shifts the atmosphere. What worship does is it connects us in this earthly realm directly to the third heaven. It takes us right into the throne room of God. It reminds us that we are seated in our heavenly places. So when we come in here and we worship, we don't do it just because, well, this is how you have church. You have, you have the open, you have the worship, and we just kind of, you know, wait through that. And then we get to the word and then we go to the buffet. Worship is because we are establishing this is where we reside. Worship is taking all of the doo-doo and it's saying, I'm not connecting with that. I'm not being held by that. I'm not going to think about that. I am going to put myself right in position with my heavenly father and I'm going to receive from there. I'm going to get freedom from there. There's healing there. There's wholeness there. That's where I am. That's why we do worship because all of us are in the doo-doo all week long. But all of us 
are in the process of developing a lifestyle of worship. Amen? Amen. Say, I'm in the process of developing a lifestyle of worship that connects me to the third heaven. So that is the second way that we shift atmospheres is with worship. It places God on the throne of our heart. See, that's what's happened. That is what happened to Saul's army is when uh, Goliath would come out and yell at them. It says that they heeded and gave consent to what he was yelling at them. If you've got giants yelling at you through the week, all the more reason to get in here and get in an atmosphere that is infused in worship. But how much more effective is it if you're worshiping out there than you just carry it on in here? It's nothing new. I just get to be with a whole bunch of people that are doing it. There's a corporate anointing when we do that together. If you can lift yourself spiritually and emotionally to this place, when you come into an environment where everyone is pressing and reaching and pushing further and further into the realms of heaven, oh my gosh, what can we not do? If one of us, if one agrees upon earth, what is, what, what, what? If two of you agree upon earth is touching anything, I knew there was one or two. I don't know. I don't know. It will be done for us. Yes? So that is why we gather corporately. There is a huge anointing in that. God smears himself all over it. It's so good. Worship shifts atmospheres. The third one is declaration. What did David do right away? He's like, who is this uncircumcised punk? I'm not, I'm not even giving him the time of day. He declared, who is this guy that's defying the armies of God? God is bigger. That's what he was doing. He's making declaration. And the thing about it is, is you got to do it out loud. A declaration isn't. <sighs> A declaration is bold. What do we declare? Number one, we declare the word of God. That's why it's so important that we are reading the Bible. Because if you don't know what the Bible says, you don't know what to declare. You don't know what your rights are. You don't know what the truth is if you're not reading the Bible. You've got CNN and all kinds of people telling you what the truth is. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. This is the truth. And if you're not getting in it and reading it, you don't know what to declare to shift the atmosphere. And here's what I'm going to say. If you're in the process of that right now and you're just learning, Jesus, 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 at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Jesus, at his name, the demons flee. Jesus, if you're just learning, start there. But that's just your starting place, okay? Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. So we shift atmospheres by staying in our position of authority. We shift atmospheres through worship. We shift atmospheres through declaration. And number four, this is a weapon that we have that David didn't even have. The fourth thing that I want to talk about in shifting atmospheres is speaking in tongues. That is an overflow of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And if you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you have the ability and the gift and the power to speak in tongues. Why would I want to do that? Here's the why. Because your mind 
can be meditating and racing all of the thoughts that the giant is screaming at you, that when you go to work, that when you're going from day to day, as soon as you leave the house, some of us, as soon as our eyes pop open in the morning, that giant of fear is standing right there at the foot of the bed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hadn't changed overnight. Nothing changed, did it? It's still the same. That giant standing right there. The minute you pop your eyes open, some of us lose sleep at night because of the giant standing at the foot of our bed. Some of us have woke up during the night and felt like the giant was sitting on your chest and you can't breathe. You're overwhelmed. It's called anxiety. It's one of the tactics, one of the tools of the giant. However, when we realize that if the giant is sitting on our chest, there's somewhere that I have come off of my position in the third realm and I have allowed myself to take the bait somewhere. Where was I taking the bait? And we remove the fish hook and the giant has to get off your chest. In that, one of the biggest tools that we have to take authority over the thoughts of our mind And the meditations is praying in tongues. That is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. What it does is it causes your mind to stop ruling and reigning. And it puts the Holy Spirit back on the throne of your heart. When you pray in tongues, it's not weird. It's not. uh, So here's the thing. Anything that you have heard or been taught that would cause you to hold that at an arm's length, that is the enemy shouting at you because he knows that the minute that you engage with that, all battle is off. So he does everything that he can to keep you from connecting with this powerful gift that you have to do battle Not because you're engaging in the second realm, but because you're sitting in the lap of the Father, co-seated with Jesus in the heavenly places, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, who is the guarantee of your identity. And as you're seated in the heavenly realm, you hear very, very clearly what God is saying, because you're seated right with him. And one of the biggest things that I hear people say is, I don't know if I'm hearing God's voice. I don't know how to hear God's voice. You hear him loud and clear when you're seated right next to him. And if you think you don't hear his voice, that's Goliath screaming at you from the mountain. That's all that is. So right now, we're just going to say, well, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. If you are a person who says and has the thoughts of, I don't know if I hear God's voice. It's hard for me to hear God's voice. Right now, out loud, I want you to say this. Say, I am a child of God. And I hear his voice and it's not hard for me because I'm sitting right next to him. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you is given to you as a comforter, a leader, as the truth, as the guide. So when we allow the Holy Spirit to overflow to flow through us, what happens is when you pray in tongues, you are praying the direct, absolute, perfect will of God from the throne. 
There's sometimes when we think, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what about the situation. I don't know a scripture for this. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in this. I'm praying for somebody that's, you know, on the other side of the world. And I don't know how to pray for them. I've never been in that situation. Pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, allow the Holy spirit to pray through you because the father, the son, and the Holy spirit are one. And you cannot be saved and not have the Holy spirit on the inside of you. That's a lie. So why would we want Jesus who is the savior to flow in our life? And why would we want God the Father to flow in our life, but not want the Holy Spirit to flow in our life? Anywhere that we have bought into that, we have been listening to Goliath. The Holy Spirit flowing through us is a powerful thing. Whenever I am just feeling um, unsettled, sometimes, or maybe there's a, a meeting coming up that I'm just not really sure how that meeting's going to go. I pray in the spirit. When somebody calls me, I need prayer. This is happening right now. I pray in the spirit. I have made a habit of praying in the spirit. Before there was speakers in cars, you know, the Bluetooth where you can talk on the phone. I don't know. People probably thought I was nuts at the lights because I am just rattling at 90 because I'm praying in the spirit. And then I went through a thing where I would get super frustrated because it felt like I was just at red lights all the time. I do not have time for this. I have things to do, places to go and people to see. I do not have time for red lights. So I decided, well, every time I get stopped at red light, I'm going to pray in tongues. The devil hates it. So lights started turning green. So now I just pray in tongues while I'm driving down the road. The devil's like, I can't do that. Praying in the spirit is very simple. And I know for a long, for a good period of time, I thought, because somebody told me it just comes out. You can't control it. It just comes out. How many of you in here pray in the spirit regularly? Raise your hand up real high. So when I was learning And I had prayed and I wanted my prayer language. I wanted to be able to pray in the spirit. But what I was told is it just comes out. Well, I was in college at the time and I had a lecture class with a thousand people in it. And I thought if I am ever sitting in my lecture class and tongues just starts coming out of my mouth, I'm gonna have to drop out of college and find a whole nother thing to do because I will never go back. I would be so embarrassed. The same way that you control the words that are coming out of your mouth, whether you open your mouth and talk, some of, some of you need some prayer on that alone. But anyway, <laughs> the same way you open your mouth and words come out and you have control over that is the same way that you have control over the Holy Spirit flowing through you. But it's shifting from the mind to the spirit and shifting atmospheres by praying in the Holy Spirit, you are releasing God's perfect, beautiful will through your mouth. Your mouth becomes a weapon of the third heaven. And we change atmospheres. There's life and death in the power of our tongue. So we change atmospheres when we pray in the Spirit. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So... I just want to say this. Notice, David never asked, so how big is this giant? How, how much does his spear weigh? David never asked about the enemy. All he did was say, so what do I get when I cut his head off? It's the same as, I know that there are sewage treatment plants. 
However, I do not plan my vacations around them. I don't set my course during the day. Ooh, I cannot go there because there's a sewage treatment plant there. We do not set our course based upon what the demonic realm is doing. We don't focus on that. And I know that there are some people that do. There have been people here at this church who do. And they're not here anymore. Because we are not of the doctrine that we should focus on what the devil is doing. Because if you're focusing on what the devil is doing, you're not focusing on what God is doing. At this church, we focus on what God is doing. And we say, God, what are you doing in the room? And how do I partner with it? That's what we focus on. So the same as you don't set your life course and your vacations and your daily agenda on where the sewage treatment plants are, you don't set your life course and agenda on what the demonic realm is doing. We don't go into a room and say, well, where is the devil in there? No, we go into a room and say, God, what are you wanting to do in this room? And how can I partner with you in that? Very simply. So we're not going on demon hunts. I love one minister, Bill Johnson. He says, I don't focus on the devil any longer than to take aim and pull the trigger. That's it. Right? So here's what we're going to do. If you know that you have a giant yelling at you, some of those things that I listed off earlier, the anxiety and the rage, that list of things, jealousy, addictions, shame, guilt, worthlessness, hopelessness in any area. If you know that you deal with that, I want to invite you. We're going to pray over it and we're going to declare victory over it right now. That's what we're going to do. So if you would like to, I invite you to stand. If you deal with any of that, if you know you have a giant yelling at you somewhere in your life, I just want to invite you to stand. And what we're going to do is we're going to shift the atmosphere right now. So very first thing that we do is we just simply repent. Well, let me, let me, let me start with this because to have victory over any of it, you gotta, you gotta be with Jesus, right? So if you've never prayed this prayer before and you today are hearing all this for the first time, if you're going to have victory anywhere, it only comes through Jesus. The only way to be seated in the third realm is through Jesus. So let's all just say this together. Father, in the name of Jesus... I put Jesus on the throne of my life. Jesus, fill my heart. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. And I commit to following you. I choose this day to be a child of God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am born again. I am seated in the third realm, in the lap of a loving father. I am a child of God. Okay, let's just let that rest for a minute. So now, every person that just prayed that prayer, if you've never prayed that prayer before, what you just did is you just shifted the whole trajectory of your life. And you said, I am a child of God and I am seated in the place of authority above all powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness. So therefore, now anything that comes at you that is not in agreement with what God says is a lie. And so we're just not going to give power to that lie anymore. That's just very simply it. We're going to take the power away from the lie and we're going to give power to the truth. 
So right now, repeat after me and say, I repent for partnering with a lie. I repent for coming out of my place of authority and engaging in the doo-doo. I am seated in my position of authority. I am surrounded on every side by love. Confusion, I don't listen to you. Intimidation, you're out of here. Deception has no authority. I know the truth, and the truth has made me free. Okay, now I invite everybody to put your hand on your stomach right here. And the reason I put my hand on my stomach is because the Holy Spirit abides in your inner man. Now for you, if you identify your inner man as like you feel it more in your heart, then go ahead and put your hands on your heart. Oh, here's, okay. Put one hand wherever you identify your inner man and once you put the other hand on your head. Say, mind, submit to the Holy Spirit in me. Shh. Will you say that to your mind right now? Shh. Now. Say this, Holy Spirit, stir up on the inside of me. Spring forward out of the well and flow out of me. Now, everyone with your hands on the inside of you, on where you your inner man stay right there and if it's hard for you to focus on what God's doing with your eyes open just go ahead and close your eyes right now so that you're just focusing on what God is doing in you right now and I'm going to declare this over you Holy Spirit on the inside of every one of God's children begin to stir stir in such a way that they cannot contain the power and the glory of God that is on the inside of them Holy Spirit, begin to stir and well up on the inside of your treasures. Holy Spirit, begin to speak. And everyone in here who has already prayed in your prayer language, I want you to begin to fill the atmosphere with the sound of heaven right now. That means that you're going to have to do it loud enough so that the persons around you can hear it. Yeah. And if you've never heard that sound before, I want you to listen because that is the sound of heaven. And if you desire to release that prayer language, that speaking in tongues, that thing that shifts atmosphere, the power of God on the inside of you, if you desire to release that right now, which I don't know why you wouldn't, stick your hand up in the air. If you've never done that before and you want that right now, yes, okay. All of you who have flowing in that, keep your hands up real high right now. Everyone that has that, I want you to look around you somewhere with a person with their hands up. There's hand, there's a hand all the way in the back back there. There's two all the way in the back here in the middle. And I want you to move towards those people right now. We're shifting atmospheres right now. 
Move, move, move. Go. And get around the person that has their hands up. And as people are coming to you, continue filling the atmosphere right now with the sound of heaven. And I need you to not be quiet right now. If you would, help heaven out. (laughs) We're helping heaven out right now. Yes, Father. So those of you that have your hands raised right now, someone is around everybody. Very good. Okay, so those of you that are praying, ooh, it's releasing right there. Man, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. Those of you that have your hands raised in the air, are there people around y'all back there? Yes. Okay, if you have your hand raised, go ahead and let your hand down. Or if you are connecting, you're taking hold of heaven, just keep it up. Everyone should have your hand stretched out or you are being prayed for. Everyone. I don't want anybody idle. If you would, please right now do that. Stretch your hand out towards someone. Now, the person that you are next to, those of you that are praying for that person right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, stir on the inside of them like fire. And fire come forth. And right now, when you feel it and when you're ready, I want you to reach out and put your hand on those people that you're praying for. Release, release, release. And those of you right now, some of you are feeling like uh, butterflies in your tummy. That's the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, just flow. And if you're starting, I was praying for a young a young guy one time. He was like four years old back in kids' church. Keep praying. Keep letting your Holy Spirit language flow right now. Come on, push it out. Push it out. I was praying for a little guy back in kids' church, and he opens his eyes real big, and he looked at me, and he said, Pastor Lynette, I hear somebody speaking German. I said, you do? And he says, yes, but I don't speak German. I said, you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. And this little guy had never heard that before. But to him, all he knew was, I am hearing a language that I don't understand. It was German. (laughs) That was his prayer language. And I said, okay, then when you hear that, I just want you to begin to speak it out. So right now, in the name of Jesus, if you're hearing somebody in you speaking German, Just begin to partner with that and say this out loud. I partner with the Holy Spirit and I release the sound of heaven through my mouth. And when I count to three, if that is the desire that you are praying right now on the count of three, it's going to come out. One, it's stirring up in your belly and it's stirring and it's getting stronger and stronger. It's welling around two. It's up in your chest And there is a fire in your chest. The Holy Spirit fire in your chest is stirring right now. And it's a beautiful fire. It's the fire of holiness. It's the fire of power. It's the fire of authority. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, let that fire come forth through their mouth that empowers them, that prospers them, that leads them and guides them, that comforts. On the count of three, it's going to come out, but you got to open your mouth and give it a voice. Three. Release. Release. If you are releasing the people that you are praying for right now, it's being released and it's coming. Stick your hand up. Stick your hand up. Where is it releasing and coming out? Yes. 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 Who's still, where where are we pressing still? Where are we waiting? Yes. Over here, just those of you that are over in that area, just stretch your hands right now. Release and love from heaven, all of the love and all of the flow of heaven. Father, your beautiful love. 
Love, love, love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the weapon that God gives to you to bring all of the fear to rest, to bring all authority over all of the doo-doo. It's that beautiful, beautiful flow of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Healing is in that, you know. Physical healing. If you are needing physical healing in your body right now, just receive that. Let that flow, that oil that we talked about from the top of your head to pool around your feet. Healing, healing, healing. Sometimes when you're healing, experience. Is anyone feel heat in their hands right now? You're hungry? There is that. Anybody feel heat there and there? Uh, Heat in your hands? Yes. Who right now knows you need physical healing in your body? Stick your hand up really high. Yes. Now, when you felt heat in your hands, go to someone who needs physical healing in your body and take somebody with you. If there's somebody with you, you don't have to go by yourself. If you need physical healing, stick your hands up real high. And those of you who felt heat in your hands, what that is, is that's the beautiful power of heaven flowing into your hands and God saying, I want to partner with your hands in something right now. So go to those people that need physical healing and just go to them and put your hands on them and release the healing of heaven. You're shifting atmospheres. You're shifting it. You're shutting down the lie of the giant right now. Isn't it great? Mm, Somebody that just needs to be able to take a deep breath. You got lots going on in your life. There's just like some deadlines and a lot of pressure at work. A lot of pressure mounting up at work. Where is that? Where's that? Right there and right there. Here. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to put your hand on your chest right now, and I want you just to brush brush the weight away. Just brush it off. Yeah? And now I want you to breathe deep. Peace to your heart. Peace to your heart in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. 